no, I want to listen to three hours conversation or something. It's the longest podcast you've ever listened to, three hours, do you reckon, of one person talking? Yeah, I think probably about three hours. Fucking hell. Yeah. Okay. I think the lot, I don't know how long I've done. I've probably done, I've definitely sat and listened to podcasts like all day. Yeah. And felt like, I've otherwise felt mentally drained yeah. or I've felt like I'm, I've learned a lot. It's one or the other. I listened to, and the other one that's, I do a lot of audio books as well. And I listened to, um, uh, whose book was it? Um, what's the guy's name? Fuck. Oh my God. It's going to bug me. He's like a hardcore, like ex military guy. Um, like David Goggins or something or. That's it. David Goggins. I listened to his audio book. He's because, everywhere. That guy. Oh my God. He's insane. Yeah. And like, have you listened to the book? I haven't. I haven't. I um. I just see like him popping up everywhere. I think he's uh like just amazing at self promotion. Um, oh, yeah. And he's like the king of motivation at the moment. So, uh, and I think anybody who like jumps on the back of uh, the Joe Rogan bandwagon is going to do pretty well in that space. Yeah, definitely. He. So what he, his, what I. By the way, I've started recording. I'll tell you that now. Cool. I normally don't. I normally just press it and see what goes on. But nah. hey. Um. I thought we were already starting quite an interesting chat, so I thought I might as well record it. For sure. Um, his book, his audio book, why I really like it is because the guy that's the narrator it, it is really good anyway in it. But what they do after every chapter, it's, an in, it's like an interview about the chapters with him. Right. So, and how, and they're talking through how they've recorded it. And so what they're doing is the guy that's reading the, the audio book reads it. And then he's reading it while David's there. So they then, re- then they at points they like he like interjects and engages in conversation about certain topics in the books. So it's like a podcast. Yeah, wow. So it's like a really personal introspection again. Like it's uh, you're getting double the amount of information. Yeah, it's, and then like and then the like and then the more direct like questions at the end. You're just like, holy fuck, this guy has gone through hmm. so much madness. Yeah. Like, you- you, I don't think you quite realise what has happened to him in his life until you like. I mean, I was like, "God, it's got to be bullshit. Some of it's got to be over the top and a bit of a lie." Yeah. But like the guy in the uh, who's reading the book is also like, "I shit you not, I've gone and asked these people if this is true, and they're like, yeah, yeah, that's legit. What happened?'" Yeah. Wow. And, and so you can see why he's like a bit of a madman, and also why he's kind of grown so much from as you say the joe Ro- the joe rogan podcast was the one that really like set him off wasn't it yeah for sure well at least one i saw um yeah it's amazing uh it's amazing how uh how those guys can sort of build these crazy careers out of that kind of stuff that's crazy isn't it fantastic i love it i'm all about it yeah i mean for, for me like doing, doing podcasts was just like as i said i, I listened to him a lot and i have met i've been lucky through the many different like careers i've gone through in my life already to have met really interesting people mm-hmm. and also i find like i just like with you for example i found out about you at first through dov yeah because i remember saying to dov because when when they're like the the new style branding of the parkour's wheels the first ones that came out when I first saw it, I was like, I remember messaging Dov and I was like, fuck, that looks so cool. Mm-hmm. And he was like, do you like it? And I'm like, yeah, man, it looks really cool. 
and he was like, oh, this is the guy that did it. Check it out. Um, and that's that's how I first came across you. And, and my, my background's architecture, so I like have an interest in anything yeah. like design orientated anyway. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to ask because I, I saw that you just sort of, uh, you've, you've dipped your toes into um, design full-time now. You're starting a studio? Uh, I'm doing it sort of for fun on the side. Sure. Uh, I'm still working another job to pay pay the bills, basically. Oh, so I work, I, my main job is um, I work for basically for it's the company. The holding company is called Freeride. Right. Um, but the uh, the main part of it that's sort of publicly known is Cycling Pulse, mm-hmm. which is yeah basically uh, the big Instagram account. Um, but the it's like content generation. A lot of it, isn't it? Yeah, and so how that's kind of set up, and was it was started by uh, one guy and his uh, cousin or bro- no brother-in-law is the guy that founded Lab Bible. Okay, so like I think he obviously saw there was something in it in cycling. For sure, um, he's originally a lawyer, uh, but he's a very keen cyclist, um, and. So I, I, before that, I was working at Jam, and then, you know, Jam kind of ended. Mm. And uh, Ollie pitched this idea about me coming on board and helping him um, with Cycling Pulse, which what you, what used to be called Cycling Porn. Um, they had to change the name because of uh, Facebook, basically. Right. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway, I, I sort of worked with a couple of the clients that... I sort of look after a couple of little clients, which is, as you say, content creation, social media management, cool. that sort of thing. And then uh, we have this four of us, actually, which is pretty nice. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's really nice. Like, it's a really nice little team. And then the design stuff with Zero Lemon, to be honest, it all just started out as just having a bit of fun and just, like, keeping doing creative things. Because I, I, for me, I, lo- I really lost the love of design. Huh. I was working... Uh, well, I don't know whether I want to badmouth the companies. I kind of fuck it. It's uh, it sounds uh, pretty similar to my story actually. Um, in terms of what I did with Kern Cycling, it was like kind of like an avenue to create design that you had like full control of and create something yeah. like beautiful that wasn't inhibited by like you know maybe some questionable client design decisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kern stuff, all of the stuff that came out of that is fucking stunning yeah it was a lot of fun it's a lot of fun i'm sort of it's a funny one because i'm not really doing anything with it now but it it really was sort of the uh the 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 start of my um my career in the cycling industry in terms of design um yeah it was uh it was it's exactly like i said it was started out of the idea of like okay I, i have some great connections and i have some some good experience why don't i try and create them some things for myself that uh, i think are truly beautiful and i think will affect the industry um and then yeah. from there it just sort of snowballed it it went from being you know like small runs of kits to being um, which is pretty similar to what you're doing at the moment but then into yeah. uh you know servicing the cycling industry working for a few bigger clients and, and i think that all snowballed to uh to a full-time career in the cycling industry which uh i guess is uh, the dream for many of us so now you're, I should say who you are. You're Gregory Thorne. Yes. Who is, <laughs> I haven't even done that yet. Uh, so 
to the background so the background that i know is you're australian uh, you're now based out in the states um you as you say kern was like your real like design project baby which is something i've seen for a long time and just like loved everything you did the designs for the flanders bikes which are beautiful nice condom packets i remember at yeah. some point <laughs> yeah did they um, say like they said something like rubber side down on them did they yeah 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 that was uh that was ridiculous i just i think i found like a um like a template online of somebody somebody was doing something and they were creating these amazing photoshop templates and I think yeah. I, I, at the time I was a little bit content starved and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to throw something to do with like FMB, who was a sponsor of my team at the time and, and something to do with Kern and Flanders. And I just threw it on a condom and <laughs> got a bit of traction. Oh, that was a funny one. It's so good though. Like things like that are the things that people love. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you can, if you can create some sort of like higher consideration, which is hilarious because we're talking about a condom packet, but <laughs> create a connection that's that's that that is you know a little deeper bit of thinking and uh, some free thought and that's quite fun i think you're onto a you're onto a winner but yeah 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 you've basically got it about right i um so i got a, a I, it, do you want me to jump in and sort of give the whole whole story yeah yeah go for it go for it so i uh yeah i'm australian i'm originally south african but um i guess i was born in south africa moved to australia um didn't really start with a career in design. I, um, I, I, after school, I was always into design. Both my parents are architects. Um, so it was, it was sort of something that was always there for me, but I originally started out trying to, trying to pursue a sort of a, a career in rugby. Um, I don't think I was as good as I thought I was, but I wanted to see if it was, if it was possible and give it a go. Um, suffered a few injuries and then, uh, and then design was sort of my fallback. Um, so I started studying graphic design but I mean, the whole time being a sports-based person, I needed I needed something to uh, to to tame the madness. Uh, so I found cycling um, and absolutely fell in love with it. And I think the big thing that attracted to me me to it was, you know, the the, the budding creativity and you know fashion and and the design that was uh, parallel to the whole industry. Yeah. Uh, and I guess from there, I started uh, I started working as a freelance designer, um, just fairly traditional stuff. Um, I was freelance my pretty much my whole design career, so I really got to uh, like a. I, I never really jumped into the big studios. Um, I did work freelance for a couple of them, but I think um, the cycling and the design industry for me was was like running quite nicely. Um, and then uh, yeah, I started working for a couple of bigger clients. Cycling Tips was one of them. Um, that was really great. Gave me a lot of connections in the industry. Um, and I think at the time. I, uh, I was sort of trying to work out whether I wanted to follow that traditional design uh, in de uh, design studio pathway or if I did want to work in the cycling industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a few, a few big projects, um, the door opened a trek. Um, so that's, that's where I'm at now. I've, I've moved over to Wisconsin in the US, which has been a pretty big move, but, um, but one I've been loving. Um, and yeah, working here as a, as a product graphic designer. That's so cool. And your Madone is, is fucking stunning. <laughs> Thanks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to beat around the bush. Like It <laughs> is is a proper... I remember when... I don't know when you first posted it, but I remember when you first posted it, and I was like, holy fuck. And I, this is coming from someone that doesn't like green. I don't like green. And I saw that, and I was like, 
that's good green. Right, it's back. It's working. Beautiful. Fucking uh, irony. So that was the irony of uh, as we just we were just saying before it restarted was technology is shit <laughs> sometimes. And my computer internet just absolutely died. Thanks, Virgin Media. Well, maybe, really, really good. Maybe we are being too harsh on it. We are on like completely different sides of the world. We're sending a uh, a communication up into space and then back down here. Maybe we're being a bit too savage to it. Maybe, but I've also done podcasts with someone that lives five minutes away from me and had the same problem. Yeah, fair enough. Stuff it, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, dog's not that far away. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> yeah, because you're, you're you're based in London, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I, so I'm East London. Dob is South yeah. West, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I'm surprised. Uh, I'm surprised we never crossed paths because I was uh, I was there for a while. Um, I was actually living in Amsterdam in the Netherlands, but spending a lot of time in the UK. Um, well, yeah, knows how he did. Am I the uh, the first person you've interviewed who you don't actually officially know? No, no. So I'm not the second person. All right, I'm not. You're the second. You're, you're the first male. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that's, and you're also episode 13, which I said to you in the messages was like, for me, that was quite funny because obviously in cycling, 13 is upside down. Lucky for some. You're from, yeah, Australia. Perfect. You know, that's kind of upside down. I was, uh, I was gutted to hear that you had a uh, Scotty from Cervelo on. I was excited about being the first Australian. Shattered. <laughs> <laughs> He was, he was hilarious as well. Actually, he was good, good, good banter from him. He, I was um, proper buzzing for that one. And ironically, I just, um, I just dropped. There's a, there's a lot of weird ironies that happened happened today. Now you mentioned that as well. So I've just ridden to my bike fitter, which is a guy called Tim. I've just ridden to his studio because he's had my Aspero delivered which I'm putting some parkours outer wheels on. Nice. So literally as I was um, just five minutes before, well, well, half an hour before I, was, I got jumped on this, I'd just, you know, ridden back from Tim's with two, with like the wheels on the back of my, of my rucksack. And then um, basically uh, weird tie-ups between Cervelo talking about that Aspero, the, the cosmic vomit bike. Yeah. And then parkour's wheels it's just weird it's all weird how it ties up um but yeah i mean officially the only other person i've interviewed was um reese who i've never met either who's one of the Sabello riders and i just thought she'd be really interesting to talk to and we've like chatted a few times on instagram and stuff like that and she's she's fucking rad actually but yeah it's wisconsin cult it's really nice the um you've got like a really good flow with the guests that you've had so far it's been uh I, I, it, it seems like it's not planned, but it's been sort of like people and personalities within the cycling industry with like a, a design and product uh, facing sort of background. So it's been pretty yeah. Um, like everybody, everybody's been pretty knowledgeable and interesting. It's uh, I've been a, I've been a fan before a guest, so that's kind of cool. That's very very kind of you to say, <laughs> but that's also that's also that's quite intentional because for me. I wanted to talk to people that interest me. Yeah, it's very simple. It's like people that I find interesting that do things that are interesting and doesn't really matter. Like I, I want to do. I'm going to do one with my old uh, tutor at some point when I studied architecture because he's like pretty hardcore. Um, he used to be. He was like the um, 
one of the first uh, black architects in the UK. Okay. Um, he's he's quite old, he's quite old now. Which if he's listening, and I know he does listen, he'll be like you dickhead. Uh, stoked about the shout out. <laughs> he's, yeah, but he'll he'll be like, thanks for like dropping me in, but <laughs> you prick for calling me old. Um, but he's yeah, he was like he's one of the like first like quite well known sort of black architects in and he you know he's probably i think he's coming up for 60 and at a time I mean, in fact no he might even be over 60 now but at a, t- at a time when he was studying like that was a seriously tricky situation to be in and like he said there's a lot of like <clears throat> racial prejudice that came against him for being black and wanting to be an architect mm. and um no for sure I, so, I can i can definitely understand that my um my dad obviously being south african studying in south africa um had always regaled us with stories about um his colleagues and the, the struggles that they had with you know post-apartheid and during apartheid being having uh, friends who are architects being black as well yeah, it's like I, I, I mean, in modern society, most people don't even care or think about it. But like, I, I was, I mean, we, I've talked to him quite a lot about it, and um, he does a lot for like um, equal rights sort of charities in the UK, and also he has, he was awarded um, the keys to the city of London. Wow, which comes with some really like funny little rules and yeah. stuff that you can do, huh? And like I, I was just like, tell me the rules. I want to know these great rules. And uh, one stuff. of them, yeah, yeah, it is proper, like a bit strange. But like one of them is he can legally shepherd a flock of sheep across any bridge in the city. Amazing. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was super like, useful. <laughs> I was like, you need to get some sheep just to be able to do that because yeah. you can. Yeah. And another one was if he if he's to get hung. Like hung on a, on a noose, it has to be a silk rope. Wow! It's like they're the ones I was, the, I was just like, wow, okay, that's pretty cool. But um, this is this, yeah, this, like, this is how you know that your kingdom's really old, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's crazy. He must he must have some uh, some amazing perspective though. He'd be probably an incredible teacher to have. Yeah, it was fast. It was brilliant. Like I learned a hell of a lot from him, and um, he uh, I not just like design knowledge but just life knowledge like it really opened my eyes and one of the things when i was studying that we i get i still get on very well he's a bit of a mentor to me now and um one of the things when i when i was studying we were chatting about it he was like he has this real thing about getting people from as many diverse backgrounds as possible into to be able to study architecture but also because he thinks it's really good for everyone in like, especially when you're like, you know, you go into university at what, 18, something like that. You're still very susceptible and you, but you, you feel like, you know what you're doing and where your head's at, but in reality, you haven't got a fucking clue. For sure. Mine's a sponge. Um, yeah, exactly. And he, um, so like in my class, uh, for example, we had one guy that was from like the, uh, Albanian mafia, <laughs> like, it's like, but fuck, I learned, I learned a shit ton from him, sure. like just life knowledge. Yeah. Uh, and there's like loads of things like that that are really fascinating. Well, when you, but, when um, you're talking about architecture and design, um, I mean, you, it's, it's, it basically, it pays to have, you know, the more breadth of knowledge that you have to apply to that situation. I mean, architecture for one affects everybody. It's, it's about our spaces and, 
urban design, for example, like everybody's interacting with spaces and, and everybody comes at it from a different point of view. So you'd be a fool to try and, you know, come up with a solution to a problem that is only, you know, implied by your one process of thought. You need as much information exactly. as possible, right? Yeah, diversifying everything in, in in as many ways as you can, sure. and just uh, being a sponge and accepting that you are a sponge is so important. Have you found the um, the the move from uh, architecture to to design? Um, much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so, so I I used to work for a very very large American architecture firm. Who, when I worked there. I, I all I almost want to taint the name, but I'm not that much of a bastard. But <laughs> I'll tell you privately. Um, sure. When I worked there, when I worked there, they were like, I think on the amount of people they employed, they were probably the biggest firm in the world. Wow. Okay, narrows um, it down. Yeah, um, and I don't know if they are now, but they, I, I they were it, when I graduated. It was very very hard to get a job there it was very competitive and I, I got i got lucky basically i i won they did like a student award and I, I won the student award and with that i got a placement there and then i just worked my bollocks off and managed to get a job um but i i i i got i went up the rank quite quickly uh, which was kind of surprising on everyone's perspective i think because i they a lot of the more senior guys there didn't like the fact that i was like a bit of a scruffy kid beard shaggy hair tattoos they didn't like that yeah because uh, they're quite corporate uh but i i like you know i was modern day architect now exactly <laughs> like that was quite standard now um and it's just the old school guys that didn't really like that um and I started off doing like law firms, which was pretty boring because every law firm is exactly the same thing. I want an office. That's all it is. They just give me an office. That's all that they don't want to have any, there's no interaction of like doing anything exciting with them. And then I got involved with like um, doing some stuff with Google and some stuff with Facebook, which is way more interesting. Um, and like a couple of like tech startup projects. Um, and then I got involved with doing uh the design oh, fuck it, it's a giveaway one of the designs for an airport in the uk um which wasn't because there's been this conversation for a long time over in london specifically uh oh fuck it i'm just gonna go with this because um, i don't think <laughs> it's, it's your rules it's your podcast who cares yeah i don't talk, i don't talk to anyone there and i don't think any of them will even fucking listen to this but um so I got involved on doing an airport design, which is for an airport in the Thames Estuary, um, which was a project that Boris Johnson at the time was like mayor of London and he like commissioned it as a project. Yeah. Uh, it's never happened. Uh, but that was like, it was pretty nuts. It's fucking full on. Um, and so I then, I left there. I, I, I got one of my directors there basically set up the London office for an Australian architecture firm called uh, Fender Katsadilis. Mm -hmm. And that, so that we basically ran, we pitched like on loads of big, big skyscraper projects internationally with no office, no real like uh, 
company sort of structure. We just basically had the backing of knowing that we had the Australian side of the company behind us. Yeah. And um, we somehow managed to get like four skyscraper projects. Unreal. Um, we've, we we borrowed another company's office to make it look like we had a company, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, immediately uh, reminds me of that that design meme where it's like the stock photo guy that they always use. Uh, yeah. We'd love to meet you and your clients, and it's just a picture of him holding a coffee at home. Like, mm -hmm. so you and all your staff, and it's just him. Yeah, and it's just, it's just what it's like, though. Totally. We, we, so we we started off with. Uh, I have a lot of like good memories of that place. We started off with um, four of us, and then because of winning four skyscrapers, like two were in, or three were in. Wait, two were in Canada, but then there was two. There are two towers in Canada, two interior projects in Canada, which was doing the interiors of skyscrapers, um, and then there was another one in London, which is a skyscraper. Why are you talking to me? Yeah. There was another. There was another. This is a regular uh, thing. I had it with. Uh, was it with Dove? I think. Uh, yes. Yeah. Same thing. Um, and then yeah, and then we did, and then we had another skyscraper in London. So I, I ended up work. The reason why I really enjoyed it, but the reason what I got massive burnout because I was basically in London working for an Australian company doing projects in Canada. Yeah, and a lot of pressure projects too. High pressure, really high pressure, um, and I, this is like I'm still like early twenties at this point. Like it's full on, and then trying to juggle all of that with life, and then I just got to a point where I was like, I can't, I physically can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I moved into retail design, and I really enjoyed retail design. But then, then I got put on some and retail design. It kind of incorporated incorporated a mix of graphic branding. Um, store design it's like it's quite fun but it's really quick turnaround um but then i like i worked on like a couple of supreme stores they were good fun and like rafa i worked on rafa and a lot of stuff for adidas and nike which was kind of unheard of to be doing both clients and yeah. um, very cool uh yeah really really cool really enjoyed that sort of period but then i ended up on a load of projects that were very very shit um like just boring like homeware yeah, stores letterheads yeah just fucking crap just absolute crap and i and um and it was around the time of brexit the original vote mm -hmm. and that's when i kind of chucked it all in properly fair enough um but for me like now like it's just like having a bit of freedom to do what i want kind of do projects that i want to like i i've got um i think to be honest i've only really got two projects on at the moment but they're like the fun ones like one of them is doing something that's like all focused around like they're kit designs but they're like fun they're fun projects like i, I enjoy that and then like the mobby star <clears throat> did that little like competition thing and i was just like oh fuck it i'll just have a go see what happens For sure i don't i don't, but yeah, I don't think enough enough can be said um and i find this with a lot of people and personalities of who are working within the cycling industry i don't think enough can be said for actually following uh, your gut feeling and like your love and your passion to with your career like so many people are so focused on uh, like 
what is going to be the safe move for my career? What am I going to be able to, you know, earn the most dollars to retire on or to use a cliche? Yeah. But like, you know, how am I going to be the most safe and secure? And, and there's not enough to be said for, for people who uh, decide to follow their passions um, and to combine their like outside of work passions with their work, which is where, really why I love people in the cycling industry. There's a, there's yeah. a great you can tell people they're passionate about for it. For sure, for sure. So how, like, I mean, the trek, when that came up, that must have been like, you must be thinking, holy shit. Yeah, it was a really interesting one. It was, it, it happened at a perfect time. Um, I was living in Melbourne. I was primarily working for a, uh, for a friend's design studio. Um, it's called South Southwest. Um, and it was pr- pretty ridiculously cool. Like their client, main clients were Nike and Jordan and they had Google as well as a client. Um, so the stuff that I was working on there as a freelancer was, was really amazing. And I got a taste for how cool a job in, uh, in graphic design, traditional graphic design could be. Um, yeah, but then I, you know, I'd been a freelancer for 10 years and, and, and I was really struggling with the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the admin side of work and, and really, you know, 80% of my job was keeping up with books and clients and communication and that kind of thing and, and, and not being as creative as I wanted to be. Um, and that seems to be the case as you get more senior, I, I found anyway, yeah. that you do less active design. Totally, totally. Um, and then like while I was working for him, I had like my uh, cycling clients on the side and I just, it, I really felt like I had to make a decision between the two. Um, and then yeah. actually funnily enough, uh, with the modern era, uh, a conversation started on Instagram just in the DMs with um, with one of the product graphic designers, uh, one of the senior product graphic designers at Trek, Micah. Um, and he was sort of talking about how he had a job opening. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And he said, do you want to apply for it? And I was like, okay, well, I'll send a portfolio over. And a couple of weeks later, Trek flew me over to Wisconsin and met the whole crew and basically had a, a speed dating type scenario where I, I met, like, I, had, I think I had about, 18 people I met in the space of about four or five hours and then jumped back on a plane, yeah. flew back to Australia, um, a couple of conversations later and, and I was on the books. Um, so it was, it was pretty crazy and pretty whirlwind, but, uh, but it felt like the door was open and I had to walk through it. Yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. So here I am now in Madison, Wisconsin, other side of the world. Fuck. Well, that, I mean, like it's such an opportunity. It almost feels like, you would have been kicking yourself if you'd turned it down. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I mean, it's, I've, I've got no problem moving around the world. I think I've been doing it most of my life. I've lived in a bunch of different cities and away from my family. The tricky one was I was at a point where I had, I had really fallen in love with Melbourne again, um, where I was living. Yeah. I was feeling really secure, great friendship group, um, really close relationship with my friends and my family. But I mean, like if you said, if I said no to this, it would have been ridiculous. Um, do you uh, do you miss Melbourne a lot? I do, I do. Um, it's been it's been a funny one. Like just before everything happened with isolation and, and COVID nineteen lockdown, I was literally about to fly back to Australia for 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 a trip to see everybody. Um, it would have been seven months since I've been back, um, and then this happened, and I was just like, oh come on, that was like my my chance to reconnect with everybody. I'd, I'd sort of been away from them for. Christmas, New Year's, me turning 30, um, my sister falling pregnant. So it was like, I was so ready to go back and reconnect, but 
all this happened and I sort of just looked at it as like, well, you're not exactly in the worst scenario. You've got a great job that you love. You've got a great house. You know, you can, we're lucky that we can still go out and do solo rides and that sort of thing. So it was, it was tricky and I was missing everybody, but I mean, you got to look at those sort of things like a, like a test and try and, uh, try and build some, some, you know, some character out of it, I guess. Yeah, it's, it has been like this whole COVID-19 situation has been such a, a topic that has gone throughout every podcast. Yeah. And I know, I know why, like, because it's, it's you know, it's affecting how it's affecting everyone so everyone. much. It's, it's obvious it's going to be, but like, it's, we have not had something like this in our livelihood, like in our lives, like. I, I can't think of it. I'm 30. I can't yeah, think of it. At least our generation. No, I mean, like, the closest thing would be the AIDS crisis, but that's not part of yeah. our, our generation. Yeah, exactly. And, like, there's not really been any... I mean, there's been plenty of wars, but there's not been wars that have direct, like, directly affected us, unless you're in the military in some for sense. For sure, for but, sure. It's beautiful to see how, how quickly... Um, you know, industry people and have been able to adapt and thrive through it. Well, not thrive, but you know, mm. just just change to to keep surviving. Yeah, exactly. You know, but it's, it's gonna be an interesting world that we come out on I, the other side. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I feel that I like to think that it's. Uh, I mean, like I'm talking to people more now probably than I did before because I'm actually making conscious efforts to talk yeah, to people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which isn't a bad thing at all. But I do feel like there's the potential that there's so much good that can come out of a shit situation. Like There always is. There's always good that comes from bad. And that's how, that's law of, law of opposites, you know. Whenever there's something shit, there's got to be something good that comes back out of it. Mm-hmm. And like you look at the, the, the shit that's happened, the amount of people that have passed away, like that is shit on the flip side i i i have this like this attitude that it feels as though like the world has intentionally kind of done this yeah i think you'd you'd have to be blind to not think that as well i mean like we've through times of like real prosperity where we've become you know so fat and so greedy with the way that we consume things and create things it it, it just feels like it would be natural for there to be a you know a tilt and a shift as as harsh as it is it 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 just i definitely feel that way as well yeah i mean you look at and then you it's like things when i've been seeing I, i follow like this instagram account which is called i think what it's called but it's like it's all about like uh, I think it's called the Happy Account or something like that. Um, the Happy Broadcast. Uh, like I mean, lot, I'm probably going to be a lot of motion of it's motivational like, pictures on sunsets. <laughs> <laughs> well, what they do, it's just like quotes and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, they do on Sundays. They do coronavirus edition posts. Okay. And it like, and it just it's it's all about like talking about things being realistic but like it said it like the last sun, the last one on sunday was showing there's a, a photograph which shows air pollution uh in i don't know what city it is but it shows the air pollution before the lockdown and now yeah and the contrast differences and like it's things like that where i'm just like do you know what that's the world kind of turning around and going yeah hey, you, we, we need this take break. yeah yeah for sure and the one that got me as well was the 
Uh, this was another one that I saw. It's Indians can see the Himalayas from 100 miles away for the first time in decades. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, I, I uh, saw one similar, which was uh, astronauts could see um, like cities in China for the first time. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. don't fact check me on any of this stuff. I'm just a lowly graphic designer. Probably shouldn't even be talking about this stuff anyway. But <laughs> I do think, um, you know, the, the dolphins returning to waterways and the health and health of uh, of you know, natural environments has been pretty obvious. And honestly, something I think we should focus on a little bit more. I mean, I think it's it's a very weird uh, position to take when people are suffering and dying. But for, you know, for the average Joe to hear something like that, it can be really uplifting. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't really appreciate the... People who, what, like, tend to sit on mainstream news, yeah. They... This is why in the UK, I, I don't know what it was... I don't know how the situation was in the States. Panic buying in the UK was fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah. like, it w- so you can now get toilet roll. Uh, thank God I can shit in peace. <laughs> uh, you could, you still can't get flour anywhere because there's been like a massive up- uptake of people baking. Yeah, I did notice that because I, I also jumped into the banana bread recently and I found it very difficult to find flour. Yeah. I I bake a lot anyway. I really enjoy baking, yeah. and I have I've always enjoyed. It. I went on a bread making course, like um, after the Atlas Mountain race. Yeah. Came back and went on a bread making course, yeah. and um, it was really fascinating, actually. But um, the like, it's just like I don't the people out buying stuff, and like I I know like prime example, my mum, hundred percent. She was one of those pe- people who went panic shopping and spent five hundred quid in the supermarket, yeah. and I was like. I was talking to her about it. I was like, well, what did you buy? And she's like, well, I've got loads of frozen stuff, yeah. loads of canned stuff. I was like, you live on your yeah. own. <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's like, very funny. People are buying all sorts of foods and things that they would never buy anyway. Exactly. Like, a, lot of, a lot of non-perishables. Um, yeah. yeah. Very funny. Yeah, no, it's when the, when the fear, when the fear gripped everybody, the madness ensued. Yeah, I mean, it was similar in the States, yeah? No, I, I mean, like, I saw it originally happening in Australia with the big toilet paper thing, but I think that could be just because my uh, social media eye is directed towards that way. But, uh, no, it definitely happened. Yeah. I mean, it definitely happened here. It's, it, I think, you know, the Aussies, the Americans, and the Brits are the most to blame for this, <laughs> for this slack yeah, madness, yeah. as we usually are. Yeah, it's normally ours, isn't yeah, it? We're all much. Off our rocket. <laughs> you haven't, uh, you haven't tried to drink any disinfectant, though, have you? No, no. I, uh, I learned my lesson when the Tide Pod thing happened. You know, I was <laughs> <laughs> got really into Tide Pods for a while. No, no not at all. Yeah, that's that's, Mate, that's I, mad. I, I, I can't even watch it. that stuff. I just, when when that happens, like we're li- we're li- we are, we're living in a comedy. When you know, when the president of uh, the US is saying that sort of thing, you've just got to be like, what is happening right now? Yeah, I reckon he could be like a a character in the Tiger King. Oh, for sure, for sure. He's Imagine. he's bred out of America's love for television and, and and cinema and drama. He's you know he's a reality TV host. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, very good. Kind of weird to be a part yeah. of, but it's 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 great to watch. He had a great PR com- like company behind him to get him in that that White House. Definitely, oh, we'll say that for much. sure, right? <laughs> yeah. What? Um, so, what's like next in line for you then? So you're you're now in the states. Obviously, everything's a bit. <laughs> I, I'm 
you're presuming you're still working, yes. but like yeah, we've um we've been in a restricted level. We've been in a really great position because we're we're sort of full steam ahead. Um, one of the great things to come out of this has been people are buying more bikes than ever, and and maybe not necessarily road bikes and mountain bikes, but um, a lot of city and a lot of town bikes. Um, so we're uh we're we're chugging on just like normal. I mean. Trek's been amazing in terms of uh, how they reacted to this. We've we've been working from home for about seven weeks, which I think is um, pretty pretty similar to most people. Um, That's really good. That's the same. I've been I've been working at home for I think I'm on week nine now. Yeah, but like yeah, like for uh, in the states, which were probably a bit further behind in the UK. Yeah. That's really, and for you know a company with you know thousands and thousands of employees and and offices all around the world, um, they reacted really fast and really quickly. I, I was pretty impressed by it, um, but uh, we uh, we're really lucky in that we I think we have a really diverse um, manufacturing um, or where we manufacture all of our bikes. So when everything happened and it hit China big time, we were lucky that we. We were still up and running. Um, I think there are a lot of smaller brands that really suffered at that point in time, um, mm. but uh, we were lucky to keep going. And uh, and yeah, I think Trek's response to in terms of like supporting all their dealers has been really cool because um, you know when it comes down yeah. to it, that's that's the biggest bottom line. And I think a lot of companies aren't as you know entrenched with their dealers as Trek are. Um, so they were really good in supporting them and, and teaching them how to adapt and how to stay afloat while this happened. Um, so yeah, yeah. In terms of design, we're we're business as usual. I mean, we designed for. At the moment, we're working on model year twenty two, so we're designing pretty far ahead in the future. So, um, is that pretty standard though? Like, because I'm imagining like twenty one is like in production now. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah pretty standard. Um, yeah, can't talk a lot about that kind of stuff that we're working on, but um, yeah, it's, we, yeah, we we look pretty far forward into the future, which I guess is why like trend forecasting is such a big part of our job. Um, I mean, yeah. uh, for 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 me as, as a job, it's like we're we're I'm bikes color and graphics as a product graphic designer, but I mean development of new colors and new paint schemes is a really big part of our job. Um, also, like looking, at, like, I guess especially with the like Trek's always been very well known for the whole project one side of it hasn't yeah. it like that and with icon as well developing like really interesting color schemes which honestly is probably my favorite part of the job it's amazing to work on that stuff it's like what can we do how far can we achieve with with paint and graphics and let's you know let's see if we can do it let's see if we can make it we're so lucky in that we have a whole like group of master painters that work for us here um when I was yeah. working previously, uh, you know, designing bikes for for people like Flanders and, and Curve and a few other companies, it was like you come up with an idea on a flat artwork, uh, you send it off to yeah. the factory, and you cross your fingers, like <laughs> you hope it's going to come back okay. But now it's like you know, within you know half a day, I can come up with a paint scheme, run it down to the painters, have some tubes painted up, and know exactly what that's going to look like on a bike. You know how certain gradients are going to be affected, what the metallic flake is going to be like in something, and I think that's totally invaluable um, and and just like an amazing platform to work with. Yeah, I mean, that's like if you're a designer designing on bikes, yeah. that's the dream. Yeah. That's like hands down, that's probably like the best situation you can have. Yeah, right? yeah very. We're very lucky. But that's, um, I mean, that's. Trex, you know, an incredibly established brand. Like you, 
I, it's, I don't know. I've always, I think he's always had a great reputation in the industry. Maybe tarnished a lot during a certain cyclist a cer- era. A, cer- a certain be. Texans time. Yeah, yeah, certain guys' time. Maybe that tarnished it quite a bit. But, but I think in terms uh, of like, well, my outside point of view before I even started at Trek was like the way that they handled that and turned it around. I mean, having such a massive focus on, you know, um, building cyclocross in the US, which is now like next to the Netherlands and Belgium, I think like the biggest place for cross. Um, we have like yeah. the Trek Cup in our backyard which is ridiculous and amazing. Um, and then like a huge focus on women's racing. And then, you know, not to mention like with the, uh, the Trek factory racing team, but with also like Trek Segafredo, how huge that team is. I yeah. think we're like now the only bike brand in the world that has their own team. Um, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, I can't think. Of yeah. I don't think because we, I mean, we own the team and we operated out of Waterloo pretty much. Um, yeah. It's amazing to, to walk down to your cafeteria and see, you know, Richie Port or someone like that <laughs> having, having their breakfast. And you're like, oh, cool, it's Richie Port. What's he doing here? Um, oh, cool. It's very casual, like sitting there, just having a uh, it's, bowl of porridge. It, or it, it, when I first got here, it was absolutely mental because I arrived the weekend of Trek CX Cup. Um, and I'm a massive crosshead, a massive fan, and, and I race cross yeah. as well. And uh, walking into the um, walking into the cafeteria, I literally saw like Yolanda Neff and Sven Nace having a conversation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is what, this is what I'm into now." And then, like, you know, I walked around the corner and like bumped into a bunch of pros. Like, literally walked into them and was like, "Oh, sorry," and they're like, "Oh, sorry." Like, it's uh, it's pretty insane. Like, you've got to you got to pinch yourself and and. I'm trying really hard to make sure that that stuff never loses its effect. Like, I think once yeah. you uh, once you let that stuff become blasé, you're uh, you, you're not in it for the right reasons anymore. You've got to you've got to enjoy that stuff. So I I had a moment like that this weekend where I was um, with some. I've been I had a really manic like last five days with my actual nine to five job, and I was working over the weekend for it and. Um, because we were like streaming some stuff. Anyway, I had uh, to do a test call with Stebar. Nice. <laughs> and I was just like, shit, I've got to do a test call with one of my favorite bike riders. Yeah. Not just for what he did in the cross side of it, but what he did on the yeah. road. Like, and also for just being fucking... a seriously cool person. <laughs> and a really nice guy. Oh, yeah, he seems good. Like, and uh, I'd, I'd have like a tw- I'd like pick up a fifteen twenty minute conversation with him, yeah. and um, and I was like, oh shit, sorry mate, this is a test call. Yeah. Like, I told him straight away, and I was like, fuck, this is a test call. I should probably let you go and have your actual interview now. Yeah. And he's just like, we're chatting away, and he's sitting there having dinner with his kids. Yeah, yeah very cool. <laughs> I was just like, everything about this right now is fucking cool to yeah. me, and like, I love it. It's like you're right. You can't let things like that. The moment that becomes normal, you need to mix up your job for sure or, your life, absolutely. or something absolutely for sure for sure yeah i feel like um i mean I, I probably equally to you i feel very lucky and privileged to be in the position that i am in but I, equally there's been a lot of hard work that's gone on in the background mm. uh, and the other bit that i found interesting is you said that you used to play rugby i used to play rugby as well so i find that really interesting i knew there was uh, a reason i liked you <laughs> What position did you play? I was an open side flanker. I was a tight head prop. Oh, amazing. At least you're a forward. Yeah. We're, uh, 
we're, we're pro- that's the problem, right? That's the problem, guys, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, that's where the whole game happens. Don't yeah, I, I, I didn't manage to fuck my ears up as well, so I'm quite proud of that. Yeah, I've only got, like, I've got a, a, a partially cauliflower ear, um, but we, uh, I got it drained straight after a game where it got smashed and it, it kind of went away, but no, still, uh, I'm still okay. I mean, everything else is broken on my body from rugby, but yeah. Yeah, yeah that's why I stopped. I managed to uh, dislocate my both of my knees the wrong way. Ooh, yeah, nice. I didn't know that there was a wrong way, but apparently there's a wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I then I did them in different matches, but then I stood up on one of them and just collapsed. Yeah, and that basically broke my leg out of that. Fantastic. Um, That's just what you want. Yeah. I mean, you know, pop your knee out, break your leg, yeah. <laughs> get the gas in, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but I, I used to, I used to, um, I stopped playing when I would have been 21, mm-hmm. I think. And it just, I just I kept getting injured. Yeah. I was, I was, Sorry. you know, I'm not that tall. I, I was a small prop. I'm 5'11", so 183, I think, 182, 183. Mm-hmm. So I was small. I was a small prop. Um but uh, I was a lot bigger. I was like 120 kilos. I was big, yeah. but I was short yeah. compared to everyone else's team. And I used to get battered. Low I got absolutely battered. Yeah, I just used to, well, like half, most of the guys in the team were like six four. Yeah, quite often, like two meter guys, like just fucking no, like taking you out. I, I can completely relate, mate. I um I basically had to retire when I was 23. I'd had so many injuries. I think I'd had at that time I'd had about seven surgeries. Um and then it got to the point where I I'd, I'd just come back from like a really bad ankle injury. I had to get a um I actually uh dissolved my anterior ligament in my ankle, so like the whole dissolved. Yeah, so I'd torn it so many times that it just wouldn't refuse or wouldn't reconnect. Uh <laughs> So it was that bad, and I was, I was sort of staring down the barrel of like a you know wearing an ankle brace for every game of rugby I played again for the rest of my life, and it was one of the games that I returned on. Um, I broke my back. I got folded backwards in a ruck and broke my back. And, oh. and I remember all my do- all our doctors, all our team doctors, just finding out about it and just having having a conversation with me and being like, "Mate, it's probably time to pack it in. You've uh, you've had enough. <laughs> you weren't made for this." Yeah. yeah. It's like my cousin played at a pretty high level and um, similar things, just continual injuries. We, both of us just got continual injuries all the time. But he he played at like um, like junior national kind of level. Yeah. But he was very good. And same thing, just kept breaking things. And we were both – and I had kind of given up by that point. And then he just got to this point and he was like, it fucking sucks, doesn't it? And I was like, well, yeah, it's a brutal sport. Like, it's hard. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's amazing. Like, so I went, I moved from Melbourne to go to Queensland to uh, to play rugby just because I wanted to see, like, what the breadth of talent was there. And just, yeah. like, an absolutely ridiculous amount of talented players that, like, you know, could be somebody. But it's really about, like, whether or not your body can survive and whether you can... Uh, whether you can make it to, to like have that, you know, perfect run to have a career in the sport. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people like, I think a, a lot of people don't really, you need luck on your side. It's the same with any kind of sport though. You need a bit of luck on your mm. side. Like you don't have it. Like, you, like you put it in simple terms. You think of a, like a cyclocross race or a bike or a, a crit. Mm-hmm. 
so much luck in those kind of races like yeah. chains clogging up flats getting knocked off like i i flatly don't do crits anymore because i've had i had a string of crits where i just kept getting in crashes like not even trying to be in crashes <laughs> just ending up in pile by not my own mistake by someone else's mistake and i just got to a point where i was like i think it was like I'm pretty, in fact, I know, the time it was when I did a crit at Lee Valley, which is one of the local circuits here, um, and I'd, I'd ridden off the front of the peloton, and I, I felt fine, like I felt really good, ridden off the front, and I sat up, because I was like, I, I never fancy myself in a sprint, I can't sprint, but I was like, fuck it, I fancy myself in a sprint today, I was obviously like Billy Big Bollocks or something like that, and uh, I... Uh, basically one guy went off the circuit and there's like a like a, a brick line to the end of the circuit and then it's grass onto the grass rode in front of the peloton I was sitting like in second row of the peloton swung back on like he obviously didn't have control of his bike or anything and just literally it was just a pile up of like 20 riders 30 riders and I was at the bottom of that pile up and I didn't get up for a long time because I had a lot of bikes and stuff on top of me and I shredded the skin suit and I'd, I'd kept having crashes before this. And that was the race where I turned and I, I had to, I had to have it like, um, I had to get looked over because I had like loads of marks all down my neck and everything. And they were concerned that I was like face down. They were concerned that I'd done something to my neck. Ooh. I hadn't, it was all right, but, uh, it was just like red marks and stuff. Anyway, the, um, I, got up my skin suit had completely shredded i had my butt cheek hanging out my right butt cheek hanging out like just like completely out making fashion statements uh, nice yeah, yeah yeah i mean punk era maybe it tied into that <laughs> i don't know fuck those but um i i was like had it all everything out on show completely ripped skin suit cut up and everything like that and i remember getting up my mate jimmy was like come around to he lived around the corner and he was like come over and i'll I'll give you some kit so you can wear. Yeah. Conveniently has his own clothing brand, so that helped. Uh-huh. Um, so, and then I, I remember saying to him, I was like, I'm not doing another fucking crit race again. And I haven't done one since. Yeah, wow. Because, like, I, a lot of it does come down to luck in those situations. Yeah. It's rough. Any kind of sport, like, and I think and it's not just like you know, crits as well. Positioning is such a big thing, right? And, and you want to be where all the fastest stuff is happening because it's actually the safest. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And you just get one knobhead who doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, and yeah. unfortunately, the guy got uh, the, big, the guy the got own, right with crit racing is uh, you just so much of the time you don't know who you're racing against. I was actually so so excited about racing <coughs> crits this year here in America. Just you know how big they are and how uh, how massive the scene is. But I was so excited of like this huge unknown of going from you know a grade crit racing in Australia, which is like some ridiculously strong and talented riders, but uh, like everybody kind of knows each other and everybody's you know there at the end of the day to go home whereas in the u.s there's like so much money on the line for a lot of these races that it's just like it's it's pretty full-on it looks like a closer to a punch-on sometimes than uh than an actual yeah and i was i was pretty pretty keen to throw myself into that this year but i think that's gonna happen yeah it's it's like the crit scene in the u.s is probably the best scene in the world it seems like it yeah i mean from the kind of stuff I've seen, like it looks 
amazing. Well, that's, it, like, it looked, no, that's what the that's what the Americans are amazing at doing, isn't it? They take something that uh that that could that isn't quite achieving what it needs to be achieving, and just absolutely you know pumping it full of excitement and drama and uh, spectacle and often money, and then uh, it becomes what it should be. Yeah, yeah, it's part of the fun of the, the whole American. It's the American dream, isn't it? Yeah, American right. dream. Put loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh God, nearly knocked over a rowing machine. That's not good. Um, so, fuck, we've covered quite a lot. We've covered about your work. We've talked about rugby, cycling, crits, your background. Mm your family being architects like i i what i what for me is really interesting is there's a lot of common ground it, here it seems like it which is really really nice um, um i'm really frustrated this year i was like the the tricky thing with moving around so much is like i've got you know friends in a lot of places all over the world some really close friends and then you have these things where you're like oh yeah i'd love to get over to the uk to see you know i've got two best mates who are pretty much they're both pretty much best mates living in the uk and then all these connections yeah. like Dov and then you as well. And I'm like, when am I actually going to get over and see these people? But, uh, mm. I, 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 it's, it's great knowing people all over the world, but, you know, it's also really yeah. frustrating. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I, I feel very lucky to have good friends in lots of different cities because, like, it, it, you, I always think if you've got friends in different cities, they're the people you want to take you around. Yeah, for sure. Because they... They know that you don't know, you're not going to go to the touristy bits. You're going to go to the good bits. Like, so I've got a really good friend who I love. I love Girona. I, I would move to Girona in a heartbeat. Mm. I love it. I can't speak a word of Spanish, and I love yeah, that. It's a cycling playground, Imagine, right? Yeah, the riding's incredible. The, like, I, lo- I love Spain as a country. Anyway, I used to live. My old, old, old housemate was Spanish, and so I used to go to Barcelona like two or three times a year. With nice, but. Um, so I have like I really do love Spain and I go there a lot anyway for cycling holidays but I went there I went to Girona with uh, I've got a really good friend out there called Chavi um, who's he doesn't live in Girona but he lives very close well no he does live in Girona now he he's not from Girona but he um, he used to live in the UK for a while and I met him in the UK originally uh, and then he moved back to Girona and he is the person when I went over there like, the first couple of times who like, was like, go to this restaurant, go to this cafe. Cause there's so many there. Like Girona has got fucking hundreds of yeah. them and everyone goes to, everyone goes to like the ones that you see on Instagram. I'm not going to name drop, but right. everyone knows who it is. Um, he's like, Oh no, no, don't go there. Go to this one around the corner. It's half the price and the food's better. Oh, for sure. but, like, Insider just, knowledge is valuable. Right. And it, it gets you, gives you a better understanding of the real culture. I mean, like when I was yes. when I was living in Amsterdam, I lived there, and all my mates were Dutch. They all spoke Dutch, so I had to learn it. Um, and then, uh, like, I think I actually I'm positive I never visited the red light district or Anne Frank's house yeah. or like any of the you know the the, the spots that all the tourists go to. But I got this yeah. inside knowledge of what it is like to be you know like a twenty something Dutch person living in the Netherlands, and I think that's oh. invaluable. Yeah, I went, I've got a good friend that lives in Amsterdam as well, um, who I designed, I did like a pattern for his uh, cargo bike. I put it on, on the Instagram, which is for his son, basically. It's a. It's called a, an, an Urban Arrow, yeah. is the bike. Yeah, another one. And 
and uh, basically his son's uh, it was to take his son to school and um, so and his son wanted something that looked like a, like a loads of arrows on the bike and they wanted to try and make it oh yeah I think I saw that. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh, he I, I I've only been to Amsterdam twice. Uh, it's a place I really want to go to to get an understanding of it. And the, the the first time I went was basically for a meeting with work. And the second time I went was I spent a lot of time with him. And we had like, he's in the cycling industry. So we did a few like work chat things anyway. But um, he took me on a bike ride and took me to like a local cafe. And I was just like, fuck, it's great here. Like, it's really, he's like, oh, he's like, I'll take you to the one hill in Amsterdam. Uh, and and we got to the top of it, and I was like, "Is that the hill?" Yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah that's the hill. It's tough, isn't it?" And I was like, "Was it like a cobb- was it like a cobbled climb?" Yeah, in like a in like a really green, leafy suburban area. Yeah, yeah. it's called yeah. a head copier, the top. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, "That's the, that's climb, the climb in Amsterdam." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds pretty similar to Madison, Wisconsin, actually. Just flat, flat as attack with lots of like sort of rollers and just a yeah. lot of wind. Yeah, we went and then rode like towards the coast and it was fucking windy. Yeah, it's full on, it's full on Madone territory here. Yeah, 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 I was gonna say it must be yeah. perfect. So I'm gonna, I'm conscious of time as I always cool. am. Uh, we've been talking a while. Uh, I'm gonna do my usual and chuck five. You can chuck five different tips at me. I um I actually love this because it's probably the only time in my life where actually living by like some really ridiculous set principles is uh I can actually tell yeah. people about it. I and I this is my favorite bit. I, I try and it, I I try to end every podcast on this. I've only not done it once. That's because I forgot because the podcast got very deep. Um, but I like to finish on it because. I think it's really interesting for people listening and it, it's fucking interesting for me. Dov's tips. Dov's tips about the herbs. That's genius. Yeah. yeah, how good is like, that? The, the dry fry. I had never expected it from him. That's good. <laughs> All right, well, I'll try not to get too deep with some of them. Um, deep is good. I like so deep. the first one is, uh, this was something that I was actually told by one of my rugby coaches when I was really young. Um, and it's go everywhere with flowers. And so essentially what that means is everywhere you go, take something that's like bright and beautiful, whether it's like, you know, looking nice or smelling good or just taking like a really positive attitude everywhere. I think uh, yeah. I think that's one that I've tried to live by. Um, and I think it was just, he was like this big uh, ex-professional Fijian front row prop. And for him to say go everywhere with flowers for me was like really humbling and beautiful. That's nice. That's a really nice yeah. one. Um, I think the other big one would be uh, be the person your dog thinks you are. I just absolutely <laughs> love that comment. Like just the idea of like being this amazing shining orb of a human being, I think is something really great to like strive towards. That's amazing. As someone who, so my grandparents used to run an animal charity when they were around. And so it's whenever you talk about animals i'm like yeah yeah yeah, i'm a massive dog person massive yeah i I definitely miss having dogs 
and cats yeah. than any animal to be honest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've left mine home, uh, back home in Australia, which is pretty tricky to my app. But she's a 15-year-old staffie who's blind and deaf, so she wasn't going to come over to America with me. Yeah, you could she's do She's just could my do. folks, but she's pretty happy there. Oh. Well, she's with good people. That's that's the most important thing. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I might have a cat called Kevin. He, he got hit by a car, unfortunately. Oh, so but, yeah, he, he had to go to my mum. But he was called Kevin, so it's fucking hilarious. That's, that's a fantastic name. I love people who name their animals human names. Yeah. Like, I, I had a mate who had a, uh, um, a, uh, a bulldog just called Phil. And I love that. I thought it was the best name ever. Where's Phil? Phil. Oi, Phil. <laughs> Get your nose out of it. Oh, yeah, that was a great name. <laughs> oh, um, sorry. Another on. one. Uh, oh, so this one is definitely, um, definitely me drying my laundry here. Uh, but you don't need to squeeze avocados to tell if they're ripe. I think this one is something that the world needs to know. You can tell an avocado is ripe by its color and its shape. You don't need to squeeze it. Because when you squeeze an avocado, it gets bruised. And then the next person who buys it has to eat a bruised avocado. No one wants that. Nobody wants that. It's the worst. So what does what color and shape should a ripe avocado look like? I think, I think it just needs to be... And you know another really good way to tell is if you know the... Um, I don't know what it'd be called. It's like the little pip at the top, like where the stem used to be. You can, yeah. you can touch that. And if that's soft, if that goes in, it means the whole avocado is ripe as well. That's a good one. Yeah. So you don't have to destroy yeah. the whole thing. You just touch the little little button. I mean, nature designed it for us as a button. Yeah, it's a little NOS button, isn't it? Yeah. Um, another one would be... Oh, I've forgotten them all now. Oh, um, if you want to heal yourself, focus your efforts on healing others. Because I feel like through selfless caring of people, you'll inadvertently make yourself feel better and happier. Um, and I think the world will be a better place. I like that. That uh, relates a lot to something my dad always said to me, which was um, treat everyone else how you'd want to be treated yourself. For sure. And I mean, it's, it's age old, isn't it? I mean, it, we all forget that we all have our own problems, but pretty much everybody has some sort of, you know, trauma or, you know, some sort of darkness that they're dealing with. Um, and I think the ability yeah. to be able to try and, you know, selflessly give um, is a great healing, uh, healing tool. Yeah, I think like, personally, I, I do, I do a lot of charity work. And almost selfishly it makes me feel amazing well that's right. exactly it yeah that's exactly right yeah in the long run you're you're building a bunch of connections of people who trust you and you trust so you're building your own circle of trust and it makes you feel better so yeah it is selfish how dare you do all this charity work <laughs> bastard <laughs> um, yeah, I, like that. I don't know if i have a fifth one maybe um tell your mum you love her nice Keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. And actually, you know what? You tell, tell your mum I love her. <laughs> <laughs> my mum's crazy, man. Like, you, 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 everyone loves my mum, but she is nuts. She used to be a, a uh, she used to be a hairdresser. Um, she used to be like before that. She was like proper punk. Um, so she's got, this came up recently. She's got character. 
she's yeah she's nuts so this came up in conversation recently because obviously in the uk like everyone's talking about like lockdown haircuts and stuff yeah. probably in the same out in the states yeah and uh my hair grows ridiculously quickly so i look like jesus right now yeah. <laughs> uh, i got quite long shaggy hair and a beard and uh so anyway my mum someone was talking about like haircuts and stuff and i and i was one of my friends was like dyeing her hair and it looked like it was like a blue hair dye but it's just like a tint and uh she was like i was like oh how blue did it come out and she's like oh it's not really blue it's just a tint and i was like oh i used to have blue hair once she's like what <laughs> and like my mum was a fucking punk and a hair and a hairdresser she used to go nuts she was like do you want blue hair today and i'm like yeah why not brilliant yeah. You should get your uh, your hair done, Eve's kind blue, mate. That color. Yeah, I heard you're a big fan. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite color. Yeah. It's well, one of my favorite colors. It's just such a good. It's just a really pleasing tone. Mm. Like, really pleasing tone. And, uh, do you know what? As well, it's having like a massive resurgence in the fashion industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you know what? Well, like Eve Saint Laurent used it tons. Yeah. I never quite realized how much Yves Saint Laurent used it until I went to the Yves Saint Laurent uh, like museum in Morocco. And you're like, oh, this is the brand. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck, this is amazing. Um, and there's literally a house painted in that blue. Unreal. Uh, like, like three-story house, big house. Yeah, I think I, I think I know the one. It's quite famous, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Is, and inside it is like a museum. I can't remember what. Oh, 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 there's a delivery thing. I'll be back. Hello? Now that is one of two things. Very interesting. There's thing. a lot of beeping going on. This is a noisy house. That, yeah. a noisy apartment. <laughs> so that's my uh, door entrancing that's one of two things it's otherwise my partner's come back because he's gone to go and pick up blueberry muffins which is amazing or it's my new electric toothbrush i've ordered oh wow i know big spender those quarantine purchases right mate i i've I've been guilty (laughs) i've been guilty of a lot i am so guilty for yeah, it. I, I I have become recently super addicted to indoor plants. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been buying a lot of them. I feel like a story of like a jungle. You in like a jungle cap or yeah, something. Yeah, that's my room. It's a full-on jungle at the moment. I've just recently got into uh, repropagating and replanting. So I'm 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 officially uh, I'm officially into it. Oh my god, that's beautiful. <laughs> I mean, you know, the graphic design, the sporting background, gardener. Yeah, <laughs> plants. I'll be back in one second. Yeah. I'm just going to open the door. I'm back. I was almost tempted to, while you were gone, do your uh, do do an official sign off for you. Oh, you, mate, you could do the sign off. I love that. I loved. Uh, you've spoken about it a couple of times, but I love the one that your mate Stefan did. 
Oh, it's so Same. slick, wasn't it? Oh, it was, I, I mean, if I do one, it'll absolutely ruin it, but I'll give it a go. Yeah, go on, you can do it. Uh, thank you for listening to the Zero Lemon podcast. I've been your host, Greg Thorne. Uh, this is my guest, Chris Hall. You can find him at Chris Hall Rides on Instagram. You can also find this podcast at all good places where you listen to podcasts. Uh, tell your friends, tell your mum. Uh, I've been Greg. You can find me at Pantone underscore GT on Instagram or Gregory Thorne. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Fucking hell, that's so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm gonna admit, I, mean, I had to stop myself from giggling halfway through. <laughs> that was brilliant. Uh, you know what? Maybe I should start okay. a podcast. <laughs> yeah, do it as well. Why not? Let's everyone do it. Apparently, it's a quarantine yeah, thing. Yeah, podcast. We're all doing it. Yeah, fuck it. Just see how long we can make them last. Amazing. Okay. I'm going to wrap it there because that was way too slow. Beautiful, mate. Too good. Great chatting to you. Um, Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk when, uh, I don't know, whenever we want. Let's just do something soon. For sure, man. Thank you so much for your time. Cheers, buddy.